Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. A wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. And by Stone Bank, a community bank supporting entrepreneurs and farmers nationwide with loans guaranteed by the USDA, SBA, and Farm Services Agency. Learn more at StoneBank.com. And the Arkansas Arts Council, empowering the arts for the benefit of all Arkansans. On the web at ArkansasArts.org. <laughs> Greetings, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll feature an old-time string band that'll bring back the feeling you get when you listen to Grandpa's old 78 records from the 20s and 30s, the Downhill Strugglers. Folklorist Brooks Blevins will continue his essay about the travels of early explorer Henry Schoolcraft. And of course, I'll be down in the vault for a visit with my old buddy, Mark Jones. All that this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. The Downhill Strugglers is a string band composed of Eli Smith, Walker Shepard, and Jackson Lynch, who play at various times fiddle, banjo, guitar, mandolin, and harmonica. Forming in 2008, they are influenced by the music that came out of rural America, including Appalachian traditions, music from the Deep South, and the Western states. Here are some songs we recorded on our stage. Go according to you know how now. 
And we actually kind of, in some ways, met around a place uh, in Brooklyn called the Jalopy Theater and School of Music, which in some ways is like the Ozark Folk Center in that it's a, um, they have performances, it's a performance venue, but also a music school uh, for traditional music, and they have classes and a number of different things. Uh, and it's a great place, so we always play there, and we uh, have worked there at one time or another at the Jalopy Theater there. I'll say that, because uh, I'm a little younger than Eli, and I was just learning this stuff when I was a teenager, kind of when I met Eli. Eli, um, you know, hit me to a lot of good music as I was discovering it. So yeah. thanks, Eli. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's there were a lot of others. There's, uh, of course, John Cohen of the New Lost City Ramblers, um, who I met, again, through Eli. Yeah, Straight up as, old New Yorkers. As that, far as older guys, yeah, John and, and Pat uh, and others. And of course, the records, so many records. Oh, see what, see what has done. 
Yeah, it's it's all over New York City. It's all over. I mean, the more we travel, the more we realize it's all over the country. Really, there's. I mean, they can be small communities, but still, like you know, vibrant communities of people, young and old, all over the country, including Yankeedom, with uh, a lot of people playing this music. You know. Yeah, New York is no as far as music goes. New York is known for Broadway show tunes and and hip hop. Right, you know, and rap probably, uh, and the and other salsa. stuff. Yeah, salsa well, yeah. And, and punk music. Who knows? But yeah. uh, you know, th- there's actually a long history for folk and traditional music in New York City as well, going back. Um, well, going back all the way. Of course, there was old old time music in New York City and New York State going back hundreds of years. But in the modern period, starting in the 30s, you had a sort of a conscious movement towards folk and traditional music. People remember Lead Belly or, or Woody Guthrie, but there was num- many, many numbers of other people that have been keeping that music going in New York City over many years.
hot dog. So this isn't our first time around here. Uh, I guess my first time we played in Eureka Springs like three or four years ago. We've, yeah. And then we played there again last year. We played the the uh, folk festival there in Eureka Springs yeah. last um, spring. Or no, no, it was the fall. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and that was really cool. That was beautiful. And so, we also played in Fayetteville at a house show that <clears throat> with uh, with Roy and the Highballers. It's amazing, like, the music that came out of here that yeah. is on that. So beautiful. Ozark, Echoes of the Ozarks album and other stuff, too. It's just so unique and beautiful. And it's sort of, even before I came here, I got a mental picture of the landscape just because of the music. Because the music was, you could just feel the ma- the mountains, and it's like such a strong feeling apparent through the music for me. So it was like a trip I really had to make.
Thank you. Eli Smith, everybody. Right when we started, I guess, playing together and listening to a lot of music, Ozark music was the biggest one for us. There's an amazing part of Ozark music, which is some bands used a, a pump organ, which has this huge sound. And I guess a lot of uh, bands played piano in the Ozarks. And when they went to record, Damn, they couldn't, <laughs> you know, piano is kind of hard to drag around or even have in a studio. So they compromised with pump organ. And it's just a really cool, unique sound for string band. We got this new CD now, but the one before that, a lot of that stuff was Arkansas or Arkansas influenced sound. Yeah. And I mean, we have a lot of pump organ on that record and on the cover is just a picture of a pump organ, so, <laughs> so yeah. That was the Brooklyn, New York-based string band, The Downhill Strugglers, playing some good old American songs. We heard I Got No Honey Babe Now, Goodbye Booze, Casey Jones, The St. James Infirmary Blues, and we faded out with a fine old fiddle tune, the 8th of January. When we come back after this break, I'll be heading down to the vault for a visit with Mark Jones. Then more good stuff from the Downhill Strugglers. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. I mentioned earlier I was going to take a visit down to the vault to visit Mark Jones. Let's head down there right now. Hey, Dave, come on in here. Hello, Mark. You know, when I walked by the doorway here a while ago on my way into the studio, I heard some high tenor singing coming from down here. Was that you? No, sir, that wasn't me, Dave. <laughs> I couldn't do something like that. Well, who was it? Well, I was listening to a bunch of friends of mine that were up here around in the 80s that uh, were singing. Was that the 1880s? Uh, no. <laughs> 1980s. Oh, okay. I just missed it by 100 years yep. there. If what you were listening to was a group of friends of mine that uh, Walter Gosser and you got old Roger Fountain playing fiddle and uh, Dave 
Leatherman. We've featured Roger Fountain and Roger Gardner on this show before in this very same segment. So uh, today it'll be Dave Leatherman, huh? Dave Leatherman. I remember Dave really well. He's That guy broke more guitar strings than anybody I've ever seen. He hardly ever went out on stage without breaking a D string on that big Martin guitar of his. He'd break one about every verse, <laughs> you know. But he put so much into it that you definitely heard Dave. No question about that. And they're doing an old bluegrass guy gospel tune. And if you will, I'd love for you to listen to this. It's a tune called Shouting on the Hill. I'd love to. Shouting on the hills of glory. Yes, shouting on the hills. Shouting on the hills. I'll be shouting on the hills of God. 
Yeah, that's Dave Leatherman, all right. He had a great tenor voice, the perfect voice for bluegrass music, really. That's true. That guy, you know, not only did he break strings, but I never saw anybody put a new string on a guitar. He could do it while the banjo player was taking a break. He'd step back and, and start whipping strings around when he came when it came his time to play. He'd have that string on and tuned up. That's true. <laughs> he was quite the entertainer. He's still around somewhere, I expect, but we haven't seen him in a while, have we? I think that Dave went back to North Carolina. Uh-huh. That's where he was originally from. Well, thanks a lot for digging that tune out. That's, that brought back great memories. It did for me. Mark, I'll see you next week. I'm looking forward to it. This week's featured string band, the Downhill Strugglers, have been playing together for almost 10 years and have performed at the Newport Folk Festival, the Kennedy Center, the Library of Congress, the Brooklyn Folk Festival, and many other places. In 2013, they were featured on the soundtrack of the Cone Brothers film, Inside Lewin Davis, produced by T-Bone Burnett. Let's listen to more of their old-time sound. Especially, I think, for our generation, um, because they did all the crazy work of finding all the records, and then then there were the people, usually the same guys, who then put out a bunch of reissues. They they had them, like, mastered, where, like, 
to digitize very well and then put out all these amazing compilations that then I think all of us were able to listen to just on YouTube yeah. or on CD. And so we were all, we were that, very yeah. fortunate and thankful. Have to them. acknowledge Richard Nevins and Yazoo Records in particular yeah. uh, for that incredible work. It's just there's just the sheer amount of, of love and time that that Richard Nevins or uh, Joe Bussard and others have put into uh, into those reissues and collecting all that music is, is phenomenal. And that's that's what gave that's what gave gave life, I think, and to, at least for me, for my the music that I love.
reach that gate. Yeah, really? we, I, I see string oh, band music as part of a larger world of you know, traditional music, vernacular music from around the United States and from around the world that has some unifying sort of feeling or properties that I, I love to listen to music from all different parts of the world and then and and so much more. So it's it's all part of um, you know, that that patchwork quilt that's that covers the globe with great music. And then specifically like American uh, American like the more I started listening to just all kinds of American records and different, you know, what we call genres now, the more you can see that uh, while today we think about blues music and string band music and country music and jazz, while, yeah, there are definite, you know, pockets in there that are very specific, the more you listen to those early records, you see that there was a lot of gray area in between. I met her on the street and I tipped my cap and she threw me back a kiss. Won't you come on to see me sometime? Won't you come on to see me sometime? Did you make for a start, bring your dinner in your hand and leave before supper time? Why, yes, come on, but the only time you can come see me when my old man ain't at home. So I saddled up my horse and I rode right over and it was half past four. She opened up a big front gate and I walked right through the door. Won't you come on and see me sometime? Won't you come on and see me sometime? Get your big boy, start bringing dinner in your hand and leave a boss of a time. at home and then we'll have some tea she walked me in and she sat me down and she said she's from the south before i know what she's talking about she's kissing me on the mouth won't you come on and see me sometime won't you come on and see me sometime eat your breakfast talk bring your dinner in your hand and i'll leave before supper time now when that happened it made me blush and i was scared most half to death Threw her arms around my neck and I could not catch my breath. And she kissed me again, and as I moved, I backed up to the door. But their old man is standing there, and he's a packing a 44. Won't you come on and see me sometime? Won't you come on and see me sometime? Eat your big post, start bringing dinner in your hand, and I'll leave a post of a time. So I jumped out the window and I tore down the street. Boy asked me where I'm going. Got time to tell you now that old man's still behind. Won't you come on and see me sometime? Won't you come on and see me sometime? Need your back post out, bring your dinner in your hand and leave a post of a time.
Come on and see me sometime. Won't you come on and see me sometime? Hit your bed post, start bringing dinner in your hand, and the labor falls a bird time. Thank you. And I don't know if it's because we started touring more in the last few years or or it's just that all the people we're meeting are so young, so they're just coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, just a few years ago, me and Eli thought we had met everyone yeah, that's <laughs> that true. plays this kind of music. Over the past couple of years, it just, I keep meeting new people. Because so, I think it's catching on so fast that pe people are, people within the last couple of years even started playing and become mm. really good. And it's not only like individuals, it seems like there are communities popping up of young people. A lot of the people from those areas are playing that specific music and doing it just as well as I've ever heard. And there's a lot of these people who, you know, they'll play music for a living, but then there are some who just have it for themselves, you know, and for partying, you know, and playing music at parties, and then they have their regular job. And that's cool too, because Everybody should play. One, two, three. <laughs> The Downhill Strugglers, recorded live on our stage here at the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. We just heard All Gone Now, a good old western song, Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie, Come On and See Me Sometime, and a rockin' fiddle tune, Pike's Peak. Let's take a short break, then after Brooks Blevins' guest host segment, we'll bring back the Downhill Strugglers. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Dr. Brooks Blevins has taught history and folklore at several Ozark colleges and universities. Here's Brooks now. You don't bite the hand that feeds you. You don't look a gift horse in the mouth. There are other idiomatic things that one doesn't do that our young friend Henry Rowe Schoolcraft did. But life for an educated, cultured New Yorker in the wilds of the old Ozarks was tough. It could cause a person to forsake propriety. In this second installment in our three-part series on the journey of Schoolcraft and Levi Pettibone, we'll meet some of the people they met 200 years ago in the old Ozarks. We last left our young explorers somewhere in the valley of the North Fork of the White River, 
surviving on roasted acorns and wondering if they would ever see another person in this trackless wilderness. Striking a well-worn path on the last day of November, 1818, the duo met a hunter on horseback. He was the first human being we had encountered for 20 days, Schoolcraft wrote in his journal, and I do not know that I ever received a greater pleasure at the sight of a man. The hunter escorted Schoolcraft and Pettibone to the nearest home, a little one-room cabin on Bennett's Bio, northeast of present-day Mountain Home, Arkansas, inhabited by a pioneer family named Wells. Crops of various kinds grew on a few acres surrounding the little cabin, but it was the hides of bear, deer, and other animals drying on poles planted all around the house that provided an income for the family. Schoolcraft and Pettibone were thankful for a supper of hot cornbread, butter, honey, and milk, and for bearskin pallets before a warm fireplace that night. But Schoolcraft was disappointed and repulsed with just about every other facet of his encounter with real pioneer existence. Turned off by the savage life and stark surroundings of the Wells family, he criticized the greasy, dirty, homemade buckskin clothing worn by the children and observed with wry disdain how proud the family was of two deer hides displayed on either side of the fireplace, one filled with honey, the other with the oil rendered from bear fat. Most of all, Schoolcraft was disappointed in the family's inability to carry on a conversation that didn't involve killing wild animals. The rude pursuits and the coarse enjoyments of the hunter's state were all they knew. In the following days, Schoolcraft and Pettibone met a few other families who had only recently found their way into the remote White River Valley. Our travelers encountered the McGarry family living on White River, north of present-day Yelville. The McGarrys proved to be more suitable hosts, providing their guests with plenty to eat from a smokehouse brimming with buffalo and bear meat. The family even had a few books displayed on a homemade shelf. Farther up the river, near present-day Lead Hill, Arkansas, Schoolcraft and Pettibone found a brand new settlement of four families. They spent the night with a hunter named Coker, who tried to sell them an old rifle to replace their shotguns, but refused to accept any money from the duo when they left the next morning. Like most of the white hunters they visited, Coker betrayed a great fear of the Osage Indians, who once controlled the Ozarks and still descended into the White River country on seasonal hunts. Continuing on up the river several more miles, the travelers came to the farthest extension of white settlement in the valley in late 1818, at the mouth of Beaver Creek, just a few miles southeast of modern-day Forsyth, Missouri, lived two families named Holt and Fisher, who had just arrived in the Ozarks the previous summer. Schoolcraft was perhaps even more critical of these two pioneer families. Not only did the Holts and Fishers reside beyond the pale of civilization, not only did their daily meals consist of the same monotonous menu, bear's bacon, hominy, and sassafras tea, not only did they live without formal education and in a state of superstition, Mr. Fisher believed that a former neighbor had cursed his rifle, and Mrs. Holt was convinced that a brass ring eased her cramps. The hunters were also wily enough to take advantage of two greenhorns in the backwoods. For almost two weeks, Schoolcraft and Pettibone found themselves working for their room and board, cutting firewood, clearing brush, mending moccasins, hewing puncheons, and grinding corn into meal. Holt agreed to serve as guide for Schoolcraft and Pettibone on a trip northward to check out some lead deposits, but only at the steep price of $10 plus the pair's only horse. 
It wouldn't be the last time a native in Taney County, Missouri, took advantage of a couple of unsuspecting out-of-towners. New Year's Day 1819 found Schoolcraft, Pettibone, Holt, and Fisher exploring a stupendous cavern that struck us with astonishment, Schoolcraft's description for Smallin Cave near the town of Ozark, Missouri. By sundown, the quartet had traveled north to the lead deposit Schoolcraft sought, located on the James River. Just west of the river was a large, fertile prairie abounding in deer and elk, even a few bison. It was, according to Schoolcraft, the most extensive, rich, and beautiful of any which I have ever seen west of the Mississippi River. So taken with this place was the young traveler that he declared it an ideal location for a settlement. Schoolcraft may not have known much about pioneer skills, but he knew a good town site when he saw one. On this same prairie today sits Springfield, Missouri, the Ozark region's largest city. Next time, we'll accompany our travelers on the last leg of their journey through the heart of the old Ozarks. Thank you, Brooks. Now back to some more tunes from the downhill strugglers. In the last 20 years or so, there's been a tremendous resurgence of old-time southern mountain string band music, particularly on the East Coast, which helps explain why some boys from Brooklyn, New York, are helping to keep it alive. Let's finish today's show with some more music from the downhill strugglers. Term folk music is uh, a subject of intense debate, or Isn't it? it's like a point of, of conflict almost over what it means. There's the definition that's put forward kind of by the music industry, which kind of started out maybe back in the 1950s with sort of commercialized folk music, whatever. I think for a lot of people, it means anybody playing an acoustic guitar, songwriter, whatever. Um, for me, it, it means old music of the rural working class is one way. You know, folk, traditional, vernacular music, that's that's my favorite music. I put on the 
two folk festivals in New York City, the Brooklyn Folk Festival and the Washington Square Park Folk Festival. And under that uh, title of a folk festival, well, what are you supposed to present? So I, I try to put on, um, as I say, yeah, traditional uh, vernacular, um, mostly rural music. So I, I, you know, I put on st- like old string bands, st- you know, string band music and old time music, blues, ballads, jug band music, gospel and spirituals, traditional music from other parts of the world. That's what I think of as folk music. I'm bound to go, I'm bound 
think there's a distinction between traditional music and folk music. I mean, traditional music is what what I often think of when I hear the term folk music, but in actuality, folk music is every music that's being played all the time. And folk music is what's on the radio or the most popular band because that's what everyone's listening to and what people are trying to play and imitate after they hear it in a mainstream setting. It's Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. It's hard to pinpoint what folk music is, but it's what's most popular. What speaks to the most people. Yeah. But then there's always the pockets of other music that's going on in communities that's also folk music. It's a terrible word because it's associated with so much terrible music. It's it's awful. Folk music's the worst. I hate folk music. It sucks. It's the worst.
Thank you, everybody. Thanks. The Downhill Strugglers. You've been listening to the Downhill Strugglers from Brooklyn, New York. In that set, we heard I Got a Bulldog, Big Ball in Memphis, and Goodbye, Honey, I'm Gone. Thanks for listening to our show. I love presenting music that you won't hear any further up the radio dial. You can find us on the net at ozarkhighlandsradio.com and look for us on Facebook, too. For Ozark Highlands Radio, this is Dave Smith. See you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from Arkansas State Parks, a division of the Arkansas Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. The Committee of 100 proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. And by Stone Bank with roots in Mountain View, Arkansas. Stone Bank is a proud supporter of heritage musicians and small towns across America with government-guaranteed loans for farmers, entrepreneurs, and communities. More information available at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar. Mm-hmm.